Welcome to the Inez Franklin Teaching and Sermons Podcast. Inez is a teaching pastor, public speaker, and founder at trochia.org. Learn more about Inez at www.inezfranklin.com. We hope this teaching brings you guidance, connection, or tools as we seek God together today. Enjoy the teaching. In his hands, I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me, no matter where I go. He knows my name. He knows your name. And he knows every thought. And I love the picture of he captures every tear, every tear that, we, that, we, that falls. And he hears us when we call. These are beautiful words in a song, but they're not just a song. These are words of truth, of God's truth. And it's my heart today, as we go into God's word, that what you experience is a comforting and an encouragement from God today. My prayer for us is that we will experience God's love today in a way perhaps we haven't before that we'll walk out feeling just this confidence in his love for us, in his knowledge of us, in his desire for us. Over the past few weeks, we've been looking at I am statements of Jesus, Jesus declaring who he is so that we would have a sense for who God is. Every time Jesus said something about himself, especially when he started with I am, and then he gave us a word picture about himself. It startled people because he was revealing something about God that only God could know. And every week we've looked at these statements. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Last week, I am the gate. Today, we're going to look at I am the good shepherd. And I didn't want us to go about today uh, learning and hearing God's word. Uh, maybe like, oh, I've heard this before. It's, you know, been there, done that. I mean, some of us have heard the shepherd story quite a few times. How many of you have? Let's see. Just, yeah, yeah, you've heard this. You've heard this. I don't want it to be just any other day for us. So I, I've, I've prayed about it, and this is how I felt God calling us to look at it today. Today, I want us to feel that God is writing to us a love letter. That his word is a love letter to us. In fact, this entire Bible, the whole word is a, a love letter. But what we're going to look at today is a particular love letter with a particular message for us. Now, have you received a love letter before? I have. And you know, the thing about love letters is that you could read them more than once. And every time you read them, you, you sense more love, more connection. My, my grandmother, my abuelita, used to write me letters, and every time I read them, they're more precious to me. It feels more beautiful to me. It's not, it's not same old, same old. It's just, oh, I, I kind of love it even more. That's my heart for us today. As we look at this story, that you will receive it as God's love letter to you. And so in, in that spirit, if you have your outlines and you happen to have a pen handy, or if not, you can borrow from someone around you, your outline begins with this statement, dearest blank, I, the good shepherd, I would like if you would to indulge me for a minute and write your name down. 
write your name down at the beginning of the outline. Like for me, dear Inez, I the good shepherd, okay? So write your name down and let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, may this not be just any Sunday. Just not another service, not another message, not the same story heard again. But Lord, may this be a fresh, new experience with you. Lord, we want to hear your word, your truth, in the love that it was intended. And so, Lord, you know every person in this room. You know their story. You know their struggle. Some people have come today rejoicing in, in a great mood. And some people have come today sad and overwhelmed and anxious, depressed, sorrowful, maybe even hopeless. And Lord, everything in between. And so, I, Lord, I pray that you reach every one of us individually. You, Lord, speak to us. It's your voice that we want to hear today. So, Father, your children are listening. Open our ears that we might hear what you have to say. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're, we're on John chapter 10. And the very first thing I want us to hear from God in his love letter is, Dear so-and-so, I, the good shepherd, call you. Verse 2 of chapter 10 says this, The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Now, shepherding uh, in this time when Jesus said this was a common uh, thing. People would immediately have pictures of it because just up the hill, they would see a shepherd and a whole bunch of sheep. To this day, if you go to Jerusalem where this took place, you would have seen sheep roaming and shepherds roaming in the fields. So immediately people would have had this picture of a shepherd with all of his sheep, normally about 29 sheep, about every shepherd would have. And this idea of the shepherd taking care of his sheep, the sheep listening to his voice. Now, at the time, every sheep would have a name. It's not like uh, the shepherd would call out to his sheep like, hey, sheep, you know, follow me. Hey, whatever. He actually named every single sheep. And we get that, right? We have our own pets and we name them. In my life, I've had a number of dogs. The first dog I had was a German shepherd named Lassie. And then we got a collie named Caesar. I know we got that a little backwards there. We had a, a German shorthaired named Penny, a lab named Sugar. Now we have a black uh, lab named Noel. My daughter has a dog named Cooper who chews on everything, and also another dog named Ray who barks nonstop. I know every one of those dogs. I know their name. I know their personality. The shepherd knew every one of the sheep. He named them. And they probably the names were kind of cute, like Fluffy and Cloudy and Poofy and, I don't know, Smelly, you know, whatever the names would be. But the picture that we get from what Jesus is telling us is the shepherd knows their name and they listen to his voice. Now, voice, our voices are a powerful thing. When you think about it, a voice has the power to say so much, not, not just the words, but the voice itself. In 1942, uh, a man named Robert Whiteman was a very famous and influential man in entertainment. 
He was invited to go from Manhattan to New Jersey to go listen to a, a, a young man who was uh, singing and was creating so much commotion. Never had they heard so many women squealing every time he sang. And they told Mr. Whiteman, you've got to come and listen to this young man. And so he travels there, probably thinking someone's wasting his time. When he shows up, there's this skinny young man, 120 pounds, 20 of it hair. And when he starts singing, Whiteman understood why he was invited. He had such an amazing voice. People in the crowd went crazy. In fact, he was eventually known as The Voice. That young man was Frank Sinatra. Now, you and I, I was definitely born after, but my mother used to listen to Frank Sinatra all the time. And yesterday, as I was preparing for this message, I actually went online and I looked up one of his songs. Oh my goodness, what a voice. What an incredibly powerful voice. One that is not like any other. In fact, it, it was said that musicians who sang or with him would literally stop playing their instruments because they wanted to hear his voice. But you don't have to have a voice like Frank Sinatra to make an influence in someone else. Your voice has power. Think about the voices in your life. Maybe a particular voice that is special to you. Someone in your life whose voice you recognize anywhere and whose voice meant a lot to you. Maybe a voice you no longer hear, but you long to hear because it was that precious. Voices are powerful, aren't they? And the sheep would hear and recognize the shepherd's voice. It's kind of like this. When I took my kids to Disneyland, all kinds of kids are running around going, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy. Right? There's a lot of mommies, a lot of daddies. But the minute I said something, my kids knew that was my voice. They could recognize my voice amongst a sea of people. I bet that if you heard that voice you just thought of earlier, you would hear it among, no matter what much noise was going on, you'd hear that voice. They're so special to us, that voice. And so this idea that God is the shepherd, Jesus is saying, the shepherd hears you and you hear the shepherd's voice. We are considered sheep in this story. And Sheep are commonly known as kind of like uh, hopeless animals who can't take care of themselves. They don't know how to provide for themselves or how to protect. They have nothing to protect themselves with. So they're often known as kind of like dumb animals. Are you offended that you're being called a sheep? But that's not the point. The point for us today is to see the difference between the sheep and the shepherd. It's the contrast between what the sheep knows or doesn't know and what the shepherd knows. The difference between the sheep's ability to take care of itself and the shepherd's abilities. There is no comparison, right? And so don't get caught up on the fact that, you know, you're being compared to a stinky animal. Recognize you're being compared, you're being shown the difference between you and the good shepherd. And yet, that shepherd knows your name, calls you by name, knows you. And that's why I think that the psalmist in Psalm 23, a famous psalm, six verses, 
begins with a very simple and powerful line. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Would you read that with me? The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. What could be more powerful and impactful than the voice of God calling us? The creator, the one who knows everything about you, the one that formed you, calling you, his voice calling you. As we're going to go through this passage in John chapter 10, we're also going to parallel Psalm 23, New Testament, Old Testament, demonstrating how Jesus took the picture of the Old Testament of the shepherd, and now he's putting it as his identity, showing you and I, he is the good shepherd who knows us. In fact, the letter continues. He says, I am the good shepherd. I call you. I lead you. In verse 4, it says this, when he had brought us out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do, will not recognize a stranger's voice. Not only do the, shepherd, the sheep listen to the voice of the shepherd, but they can actually tell the difference between the voice of their shepherd as opposed to another shepherd. In fact, in, in the country of um, Israel, do you have shepherds out in the field? And you saw the video this morning where you had a little enclosure and the shepherd would bring his sheep there. But in the city, they would have large ship, ship, sheep pens. There you go. And all the shepherds would bring their sheep and they would put them all together. So now you've got this chaos, right? Like this shepherd's sheep and that shepherd's sheep, and they're all in there. And when the shepherd came to get his sheep, the minute he spoke out to his sheep, they recognized his voice. Again, that's like me calling my kids in the middle of Disneyland. They know my voice. And so they recognized his voice. They could tell the difference between the voice of their shepherd and any stranger, anyone else. Do you recognize the voice of God? Do you know the difference between God's voice and all the other voices that are coming at you. And some of the voices are going to be clearly not of God. And those are easy to recognize. But you know, there's a lot of counterfeits. There's a lot of ways in which counterfeiting God, it comes at us and we hear voices and we think it's God, but it's not. How would you know the difference? That's why I love that we're teaching this class on hearing God's voice. We know how to recognize his voice. But the bottom line is we know God's voice through his word. When we read God's word, when we're in his word, when we study it, we start to hear the way in which God talks so that if any other voice comes at us and says anything contrary to what God's word said, you already know that's a stranger. God would never say that. We know the difference. If we're not in God's word, we don't know. And also the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit gives us discernment that we might understand God's voice and understand it as opposed to any other voice. The sheep could recognize the voice of the shepherd. And then this voice guides us, right? It leads us. Now, years ago, I went hiking up in the San Gabriel Mountains, which right now probably they have a little bit of snow. They probably look beautiful. And they're not that far away. And I th we thought, hey, let's go hiking over there. So I, I went with some friends. And we went hiking, and we went with a large group, and the leader was taking us into this area. 
we got kind of bored in the nice, easy path and the leader following us. So a guy and I say, hey, let's just make our own path and just go our own way. So we break off from the larger group and go on our own way. And what's the big deal? St. Gabriel is very close to Orange County. We're going to find ourselves back. Not a problem. Hmm, not so much. We started going and going, and it seemed really fun at the beginning and very interesting and different, but then soon we found ourselves off the path altogether. We were creating our own path, which we felt like pioneers, and we can do this on our own, until the guy that I was with slipped and fell down the hill, and in my attempt to stop him, I went with him. So we went down this side of a hill, ended up at the bottom, and there was no one to be found to help us. And so we start, you know, we try to get him up. He hurt his ankle. I hurt myself. And we're trying to get out of this place, and we're just yelling out for help, and no one's to be found. We didn't even know our way back. Thankfully, someone came around and helped us out and led us back to our car, to which we said, never again will we leave our guide. Which, when I think about my own journey with God, how often... Do I kind of leave him behind a little bit and kind of go my way? Anybody, anybody with me? Where we go, okay, God, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try this over here without you. I'm going to go this way. Or we think, I don't, thank you. I don't need you for this. I got this. And we just sort of go on our own way. We forget he's leading us all the time. God is leading you. The good shepherd wants to lead you, and he leads you to good things, always good things. Isaiah 58 says this, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Why would we want to be guided by anyone or anything else? God wants to guide us to good things, not easy things. It's not like when he guides us, everything's going to be peachy and easy because sometimes he guides us through some challenges, right? But still, he guides us to good things, which is why I believe the psalmist continues with this line in verse 2. He says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. You see, the shepherd puts his name on the line. It was at the time, if you, if you lost a sheep to any kind of predator, you know what the, the rule was to make sure that you as a shepherd would never be ruined, your reputation, is you had to uh, recover some part of the sheep from the animal that destroyed it so you can prove that you did everything you could to save that sheep. And, and they, it was said in scripture that sometimes they literally would put their hands in, in the enemy's hand or the lion or whatever to grab a foot or something to come back and go, I fought for this sheep. I was with it all the way. And that's a picture that God wants to give us. He leads us into good waters. His name is on the line. When he leads us, he's leading us to good places because he is good. I, the good shepherd, call you and lead you and know you. Verse 14 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father. I'm going to break these down for you a little bit because there's some powerful statements being made here. First of all, he says, I am the good shepherd. When we look at the Greek language behind this, the word that's used for good here 
is it's not just like a moral good. You know, we have a sense for, for generally what is good morally. No, it's a word that represents not just morally good, kind, but it's beautiful. It's a good that's magnificent, a good that is stunning, that kind of good. I am the good, that kind of good shepherd, like no other. And now Jesus is doing something that would have been offensive to the people because earlier on, every time Jesus kept comparing himself to people that these Jewish people trusted. First Moses, when he says, I am the bread of life, he would have reminded him Moses gave the people of Israel bread in the wilderness. And Jesus says, well, now I am that bread. Then later he says, before Abraham, I am. Before that man that you trust and you value, I was. I've been here from the beginning. And now he says, I am the good shepherd. You know who they would have thought of? They would have thought of David. Because David, King David was known as the good shepherd, a good shepherd from a young age. And now he says, I'm even greater than David. I am the good, the good, not a good, the good shepherd. And then he says, I know my sheep. And the word behind know, it's not like casually knowing like, hey, Oscar, I know Oscar. He comes to church every Sunday. I know. No, it's Oscar. I know everything about you. Imagine you're in Target and you bump into a stranger and they come up to you and you go, I know you. I know everything about you. Like everything about you. Are you nervous? A little bit of panic has to set in, right? Like what? I, that's the kind of knowing is saying. God knows us to that level. Everything. It's not just a, a knowing in the surface. It's an intimate kind of knowing. It actually goes back to the picture in scripture of Genesis where Adam knew Eve and they had children. That kind of intimate knowledge. Now, you know, if you've been married for a long time, 30 years, and I know people who have 30, 40, 50 years. You know what they tell me is that even though you've been married a long time, you're still getting to know that person. Like you might be in your 50th year, you go, who are you? Wow, I, I didn't know that about you. And you are always discovering something about them, right? So we never get to know each other really fully, but God, the good shepherd, knows everything. Yes. For some of us, that's like, ooh, that's awesome. Some of us are like, oh. I get a sort of an attention myself. On the one hand, I think God knows everything about me. Everything in the past, every thought I have, every, every vile you know, moment where I have you know, doubts, every, everything, everything I have done in the past, everything I will do in the future, he knows everything, and that terrifies me. But then I think also, oh, God knows all of those things, and yet he loves me. And so there's this sense, the good shepherd knows you. God knows you, everything about you, and he loves you. And he loves you. Hebrews 4.13 says this, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. He knows it all. 
And that is both wonderful and terrifying, but ultimately wonderful because he wants nothing but what's good for us. That's why the psalmist in verse 4 says this, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because you know me, God, you can guide me in the right path. Because you know me and you know my doubts and you know my anxieties and you know my fears, you know how to guide me because God knows you. The shepherd knows you exactly as you are, knows you even better than you know yourself. He can guide you on a path that is designed for you. And so we don't have to fear any evil. We don't even have to fear the shepherd where we might not understand where he's taking us. He knows. He knows where he's taking you. And it always lead to good. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. I call you. I lead you. I know you. And I give my life for you. Verse 15 says this, I lay down my life for the sheep. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. The shepherd puts his life at risk for the sheep. You saw the images. The shepherd is the gate for the sheep pen. Anything, any danger that comes in has to go through the shepherd. And the shepherd is willing to risk it all for the sheep. And the word here, when it says, giving up my life, I choose to give it up. I lay it down. It's a choice that we make. The life behind it, it's not just life in a sense of like bio, the biology of our life, but it's actually the word behind it is my soul. It's a, it's a Greek word called suke, which means soul. Now listen to it again. I lay down my soul, my whole being for the sheep. I know we might think, well, God sent his son. He died for our sins and he rose him up again. Woohoo, that's God. He can do that. That sounds sort of easy for God. But when you think about it, Jesus laid down his whole being for you and for me. We might capture the picture of Jesus suffering uh, the pain of physically being attacked, the pain, the pain of physically being beaten, physically being placed on the cross. And that might sense chills upon us when we realize, why would God have to do that? Does God really need to do that for me? And the answer is yes, but it's not just that. God had to send his son to give his whole being for you, for me. And he did it willingly. He chose to do it because he loves us. He did it on his own accord. He did it and he would do it again. And he did it and he would do it again just for you. If you are the only person, he'd do it for you. I am the good shepherd, he say. I call you. I lead you. I know you. And I lay down my life for you. Second Peter 2 says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, for good. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you are like sheep going astray, but now 
you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He gave his soul for your soul. He gave his life for your life so that we might live. Why would he do that? Because he loves us, which is why the psalmist can say in verse five, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. When we think about that truth, what emotion comes out? What thoughts come out? But oh my goodness, God, I cannot ask for a single thing more. You have given it all for me. Why would we not give all of ourselves to the good shepherd? I, the good shepherd, call you, lead you, know you, give my life for you. I love you always and forever. Verse 27 says this, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Now you read this part with me if you would. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Let's say that again. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one, no one can snatch you out of the loving hands of your heavenly father. No one. You are in his hands forever. Isaiah 40 puts it this way. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. Now you picture that. Picture God holding you in his arms and never letting go. And nothing, nothing can snatch you out of his hands. Why Paul wrote in Romans 8.38 that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing on this earth, nothing outside of this earth, nothing in the past, present, or future, no dominion, nothing, nothing, nothing can snatch you out of the hands of God. You're in his hands forever, in his good, loving hands. Oh, which is why the psalmist ends with this beautiful, encouraging word in verse 6. Would you read it with me? Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How long? How long? Forever. How encouraging is that? We have a loving Father who knows everything about you, who gave everything for you, not that you feel guilty, but that you feel loved. It's not a pressure on you, but an invitation to receive that love. I want us to read that letter quietly for ourselves. Read that again for yourself. Read it more than once. Thank you again for listening. Make sure to learn more about Inez Franklin at www.inezfranklin.com. You can help share these teachings by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and sending this episode to a friend. Make sure to follow Inez Franklin on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and more, where she is engaging with the community and inviting us to participate with God and his work together. Thanks again. Thanks again.